yes, this is very scary and we have real problems. However, we can make progress if we keep working together and like giving up is not an option. So here are some small things we can do. Welcome to Shout Your Cause with Sally Hendrick, a digital magazine where you can get found, get heard, and get inspired with content that challenges us to be globally minded. Our focus is on raising awareness around social justice issues, cultural differences, and to bring you the people dedicating their lives to tackling challenging topics as their way of giving back. Let us be your advocate to make your voices heard around the world. Hey everybody, it's Sally Hendrick. I'm back today for Shout Your Cause with Jessica Craven. And I met Jessica on TikTok. Hey Jessica, how are you doing? Hi Sally, how are you? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day. It's a little chilly, but it is a beautiful day in Nashville. Where oh, are you? I'm in Los Angeles, California. I didn't realize you were in Nashville. That's awesome. Yes, I am in Nashville. So we're a couple of hours apart in time, but I'm glad that we've been able to come together today because I have to say that for the last couple of years, I've been following you mm -hmm. and you seem to be more on top of what's going on everywhere in politics, not just California, but you are constantly stomping for someone or you are talking about issues or whatever that may be. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how you got into that? Okay, I will. Well, and first of all, um, just thank you for having me. It's a delight to be here. Um, and well, I got into it in, in around, you know, late 2016, uh, when a lot of people sort of got more politically active. And um, I was uh, feeling a little anxious about the direction things were going, to say the least. And so I started, um, I also started realizing that I was sort of politically engaged around presidential elections, but the rest of the time really didn't do that much and sort of assumed that everything would just run along the way it was supposed to. And suddenly realized that that was not, had obviously was not working because a lot of us were that way. And so I started uh, writing a little newsletter that I sent out to just a couple of friends and family with ideas for phone calls to our representatives we could make or, you know, things we could do to sort of move the needle in the direction we wanted it to go. I, I worry a lot about climate change. That's been a big issue of mine for a long time because I had an uncle who uh, was a climate scientist. So I've been thinking about it for like 30 years. And uh, so I just started taking these little actions and sharing them with friends. And that evolved into uh, a newsletter that I have that is called Chop Wood, Carry Water. It goes out to um you know 20,000 or so people across the country um and and it just gives people about 5 minutes worth of ways that they can be politically engaged little scripts for phone calls or little letters they can send and then we also do some work on helping to elect um lawmakers who you know have integrity and are going to try to help the average american person and not just line their own pockets nice i love yeah. that you have this newsletter so you called it chopwood carry water Yep. It's on yes. Substack. Yep. And yep. how do people actually get to get on your newsletter? So they can go to chopwoodcarrywaterdailyactions.substack.com and it's there. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's named after an old saying that my dad had that was basically for getting through tough times. If you don't know what else to do, just chop wood, carry water. And so it's just a little bit of a like 
when things feel like they're spiraling out of control, like what can we do? How can we take a couple of actions to help our country go in the right direction? Well, and sometimes we just need to have that feeling that we have a little bit of power, even if it's just one phone call, when to to see the fact that you're emailing 20,000 people this information, that's really great. How long did it take you to get that many people to get on the newsletter? Well, it's a funny thing. It actually, I thought that during the sort of Trump administration, you know, I always imagined that when he got voted out, I would be done. And so I had a, a smaller readership at that time. And when it really blew up was actually after uh, January 6th. And I think at that point, people sort of realized like, oh, OK, this is really like, you know, it's not going away. Like we have to stay involved. And it got maybe I don't know if people got more scared or I'm not sure what happened. I got amplified by a couple of bigger political substack writers. And uh, and there you go. And now it it grows a lot because I think the crazier things are getting out there, the more people feel like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. And I feel like I need to do something. And um, I also do like a pep talk at the beginning of every email. And I think that's become a important part of it as well is just sort of like, hey, we're all here and we're all together again. and It's going to be OK, even though, you know, I don't necessarily always feel like it's going to be okay but i do think we've got a much better shot at that if we're all working on things together well and people respond better to positive messaging anyway they tend to take better action than if the message is negative or poorly in some way yeah and if you i mean there's a million places online or in the news or on social media where you can go and have people tell you like we're screwed it's oh, like it's terrible you know there's many many purveyors of negativity and i sort of feel like also needed perhaps more needed are voices saying like yes this is very very challenging and yes this is very scary and we have real problems however we can make progress if we keep working together And like giving up is not an option. So here are some small things we can do. And also reminding people of how those things do work. Um, A very popular part of my newsletter now is my Sunday newsletter, where I send a a roundup of all of the good news from the week before. Um, And I put a little axe emoji next to every item that came about because of the hard work of people like you and me, or because of a lawmaker that we helped elect. And so then people can really see this visual example of like, oh, all those good things that happened happened because people like me helped and the little actions that we took, you know, sometimes a lawmaker will get elected by a single vote, you know, and it can change the whole trajectory of, of a way a city or a state goes or a country. Well, look so, at Jess yeah. Motherrunner who ran in Virginia and lost by less than 700 votes yeah yeah that was a heartbreaker that was a heartbreaker and that was a tough district and you know the great news is next time she comes back and she tries again she'll have more name recognition and she's more likely to win yeah yeah Yeah. and she said she's going to again so yeah that's that's what it's all about yeah and so many of those especially state level or like county level or or municipal level those elections so often come down to you know, five, 10, one, 200 votes, tiny numbers that are so within the margin of effort. You know, it's just, we need more volunteers always. Would you rather work 
or would you rather play? If we're going to go through all of this business building stuff, it better be for something that we love doing, right? Take a moment to do this quick life purpose challenge to discover what makes you truly happy. It's free. Visit sallyhendrick.com forward slash life purpose. So what are your favorite news sources when it comes to finding the hot button topics to be telling people about? Well, I get most of my news. I, I do subscribe to a couple of the mainstream media. Uh, so I will get news from Washington Post, from the New York Times, which I'm not as crazy about these days, um, from The Guardian, which I, I do like a great deal. And then there's a bunch of other magazines that, you know, will occasionally, Atlantic does some really good coverage, Rolling Stone occasionally. Then I read a lot of newsletters. Uh, I read uh, some Substack newsletters, Robert Hubble, J. Coe, uh, Heather Cox Richardson, um, I read Semaphore uh, now has a few uh, daily newsletters that are great. Punchbowl sometimes. It's actually a lot of the job is reading. <laughs> I read a lot. Um, and uh, longer form articles in The New Yorker or Mother Jones. Um, I will read almost any publication that uh, is covering issues that I'm, um, you know, concerned about, which is lots of them. And then I have a lot of, uh, I meet with a lot of different organizations and groups. And so sometimes we have um, mailing lists. We have a, a progressive mobilization call that meets twice a week. And I get, you know, press releases and talking points from various groups. And sometimes I'll use those to make a TikTok. Um, so I, I read constantly because I, I actually don't have a lot of time, ironically, to watch TikTok. So I don't uh, watch a ton of TikTok because I'm, I'm, I'm reading because I feel it's really important to get this stuff right. Being well-informed is really important. It is really important, but it does seem like it's overwhelming if you're having to read all the time, especially for someone who maybe that's not their best way of consuming information. Maybe they do want this more of a, a brief, a briefing, something like you could give out. Uh, what are some of the things that you think each of us should be aware about to stay alert? Well, I think that, um, I think, well, it's a hard question to answer in a really specific way. I mean, if you're more of a visual person, there are great people doing, like uh, Jessica Yellen of News Not Noise is doing great work. I always love V from Under the Desk News. And um, Tono Latino does great work, especially sort of focused on the uh, Latinx community. Um, there's so many others. Like I said, I don't watch a huge amount of video content, but what I look for are people who have sources who will tell you their sources, who are um, careful with facts, you know, not using a lot of exaggeration and hyperbole, who are not trying to just scare you. I find that it's very easy to get clicks when you make TikToks that are scary or upsetting or angering, but that's not, I don't consider that my job. My job is to inform and almost always to give you something you can do about it. Because otherwise we're just, you know, left with a puddle of anxiety. Um, but I think that right now we have a real obligation. We have sort of twin emergencies at the moment, right? We've got, well, at least twin, if not triplet or quadruple. We have a lot of emergencies and they're all pretty serious, right? We have a very serious emergency in our democracy right now. And while we, may know it a lot of people don't so it is important to let people know like hey the elections next year are not just a horse race 
if one of the candidates wins, we're going to lose our democracy. And that's not an exaggeration. That's fact based on what he is saying. So it's really important that we pay attention because if we don't vote next year, we may never get to vote again. So that's one thing. And then we have the climate crisis, which is we all understand is happening. And um, so even just talking about that is important. I was actually just listening to a TED talk where they were saying that one of the biggest obstacles we have to climate progress is just that people don't talk about it enough. So everybody imagines that other people aren't as worried about it as they are. But in fact, almost all Americans are very worried about it. So when we start talking about it, there becomes this consensus to sort of do more. So we've got that. We've got the democracy thing. We've got the gun violence thing, which is an emergency. And then there's all these other. I mean, we've got, you know, uh, wars overseas and the sort of the crisis of fascism. So I say all of that just to say that it's not a really feasible time to sit on the sidelines and say, oh, politics doesn't affect me. So I'm going to check out because if we all check out, politics is going to affect all of us in ways that we really, really are not going to like, particularly if we're LGBTQ or in any marginalized community, or if we want to read the books we want to read, if we don't want to get shot on the street, if we want to be able to vote and protest and say what we want and criticize our lawmakers, if we want to, you know, have a fair, decent immigration system, all of those things are on the line. You know, uh, just looking at Trump's uh, immigration policy proposals alone, it's really scary. We have a very messed up immigration system, but deporting tens of millions of people who have lived in this country for years and decades and even their own lives is really a frightening approach. So anyway, all of that is to say no one has to do everything, but I think we all really need to consider doing a little something, even if that's just registering for voting if we haven't registered before. or you know, showing up to a town hall with our Congress member or doing some tiny little thing just to feel like we're part of the solution so that we are not part of the problem. Um, because really, that's when fasc fascism takes root, right? And we just saw it in the Netherlands. The guy who won is basically a fascist, and he won mostly because of low turnout. He won mostly because very few people turned out to vote. That is the danger. Apathy, fear, anxiety, not knowing what to do, and then doing nothing and letting bad things take root. I was about to say apathy is one of our biggest enemies in this. Uh, people just sit by off to the sidelines and don't engage in any way, shape or form. And yeah. it's hard enough just to get people to register to vote, but then to get the registered voters to show up as well at the polls, which usually happens the best around presidential time, which would be like, I can't believe it's already next year. Do you want to stand out from the crowd with your content? Come discover how to market yourself as an expert, as a change maker, as a positive influence on other people's lives. With the Exponential Marketing Club, you will learn the ins and outs of content marketing that makes a difference in the world. Visit sallyhendrick.com forward slash club. Yeah. Speaking of that, you are a delegate in California, and I don't know anything about that. Why don't you tell tell us what that means? So, uh, yeah, it's a, I, I'm not sure I always fully understand myself, but I'm a delegate to the California Democratic Party. I ran back in 2020 
you actually are on the ballot, the same ballot that the presidential primary candidates were on. I was on that ballot. I don't understand fully exactly why that is how it works, but that's how it works here. And it basically means there's a certain number of delegates from every um, district. We do it by assembly districts here. It's just sort of that's the way they group them. And we vote on policy in the Democratic Party. When I first joined the party, I applied for and became a member of the platform committee. I didn't even really know what that was, but we sort of uh, wrote the platform for the party. So here's how the party feels about climate change. Here's what the party's position is on abortion rights. And in a small kind of way, you're shaping not just the party's platform, but then the California Democratic Party, because it's big, often models platforms for the rest of the country. Um, so what it's been a great lesson in is being a tiny, tiny, tiny part of a big process, right? So I'm not the president. I'm not a Congress member, right? Obviously, none of us are who are delegates. But when many hundreds of us get together and debate, battle things out and have resolutions and have committees, we form a sort of direction that the party is trying to go in. We, we disagree on lots of things. Not everybody likes the direction of the party, but we sort of argue and we get it going. And then that, in turn, affects the elected representatives in California, hopefully. And that, in turn, affects American politics. So, again, I think we have all been so, at least for me, I'll speak for myself, I was so focused on the presidency. You know, when before Trump got elected, I am embarrassed to admit, I didn't know who my Congress member was. I didn't, I maybe knew who my senators were. But that's it. City council, forget it. Supervisor, nothing local. And this whole last seven years has been a real education in like all of it matters. Not just who my president is, not just who my senator is, who my Congress member is, who my county supervisor is, who my city council member is matters enormously. Mm -hmm. um, who school the neighborhood boards. School, school boards. Board. Oh my God, forget it. I mean, school boards more than almost anything. And we've got great organizations now like Run for Something, which is just doing amazing work running young candidates only for these down ballot, we call them down ballot races, school board, city council. And they're really making a huge difference. But I realized I needed to contribute more. So I ran as a delegate. I also ran to be PTA president at my kids' public school because I was like, well, anywhere we can help. It's like all of us need to sort of step into a leadership position a little bit more than we maybe are comfortable with. But that doesn't always mean like we're president of stuff. It just means we step up to serve and kind of go where there's a slot and where we fit. And so that's what uh, being a delegate is, it looks like for me. I do love it. It's great. It's, uh, so it's a lot of like sausage making. How Here's how the sausage is made. You know. So were you elected to be a delegate? Yeah. Yeah. So you run on a... Uh, in our, let's see, I'm trying to think how many. In our assembly district, I think there are 13 male identifying and 13 non-male identifying uh, delegates in each district. And if I'm wrong, I'm embarrassed about that. But that's about right. So you run on a slate. Um, so uh, you don't have to run on a slate, but you do kind of so you can help each other get elected. And also so you can just hand people a piece of paper with a list of people to vote for because it's so many names. But yeah, I was running against, I don't know, there were probably 30 people, maybe it's 13 seats in total, maybe it's 14. Anyway, I'm sorry, I don't know, and I should. But so we ran, uh, there was a group of maybe 30 people running for a smaller pool of seats, and I won one of those seats, and I'll be running again in 2024.
Um, so I'm in Excellent. the process. Of, well, good luck with that. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I'm, I hope you I'm, talk more about that on TikTok as well, because I think tooting your own horn might be um, necessary from time to time. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I I mostly just want people to, I just want people to, first of all, not give up hope. That's my biggest objective is keeping people from just giving up and then and giving, helping them feel that they've got some power and that their voice matters, their opinion matters, their vote matters. And uh, that their participation in democracy matters because it does. It's everything. Turn what you know into what you do. Join the platform with the most ways to monetize what you know, whether it's online courses, coaching, memberships, podcasts, newsletters, communities, or more. Kajabi gives you all the tools you need to build, market, and sell it with just a few clicks. Sign up at sallyhendrick.com forward slash Kajabi. That's K-A-J-A-B-I. If there was one thing to boil it down to, what would be your hope uh, of what comes of the work that you're doing, the work that everybody's doing these days? What is your biggest hope? Well, at this point, I think my biggest hope is to save American democracy, which I think is about a 50-50 shot right now. Um, and that's so that is frightening. I have an LGBTQ teenager. Um, so for me, there's a real I mean, and whatever, we all have our reasons why we don't want to lose our democracy. But I really don't want to live in an authoritarian state where kids like mine are uh, abused. So I want to save American democracy. I think people thrive in a democracy uh, more than they do in an autocracy, needless to say, and that America was founded on the idea of, you know, freedom, although not perfect, but we we could get, you know, we could get there eventually. Um, so I think right now, if we still have a democracy in uh, two years, three years, I will feel like I did uh, the bigger, the big part of my job, because as long as we have a democracy, we can keep fixing things. Once we lose it, we really can't. Like then we're really in a bind. So um, I guess is that a little, it sounds a little um, much to say, but maybe just like if we save democracy, I will feel that we have, um, that I've accomplished something. And also, uh, I you know, on a smaller scale, I would love to see progress, more progress on gun violence. I would love to see um, kids no longer afraid to go to school. Like just as a mom, that is something I really would like to see. Um, climate action, because again, it's just existential. Like we can agree, or you, you can agree or not agree, but we all know it's happening and it's going to get worse. Um, and, uh, you know, and LGBTQ rights, there's so many things. I mean, there's a million things, but first and foremost, democracy, because we can't work on any of the rest if we lose it. Yeah. And if we don't have a voice in, in it, how can we make that change? Yes. Yeah. And we're getting close. I mean, I don't mean to be dire, but the Supreme Court has been chipping away at voting rights for, you know, a decade or two now, and they're chipping away at it even more this year. And it's it's really going to be touch and go. I know we can do it, but it's just going to require people choosing to pay attention instead of burying their heads in the sand. My job is to pull people's heads out of the sand, and then give them something to do. Well, hopefully we can amplify your message to the people who listen to this podcast today, too. Yeah, thank you. And it's really, you know, I believe that even if you are listening to this and you're like a Republican, 
I really think that most of the stuff that we want and we believe in crosses party lines. Nobody likes giant corporations running the country and telling politicians what to do. I don't care what party you are. I know nobody likes that. Nobody wants their kids shot at school. Everybody wants to be able to love who they love and start a family when they want to start a family. Nobody wants their government in their doctor's office. Nobody wants banned books. Like these things that we, I think, by and large, agree on. Nobody thinks billionaires should be getting away with paying far less taxes than the rest of us, proportionately. I think that we agree on more than we disagree on, and that the forces that are really evil are very invested in keeping us divided. So I really feel strongly also we could unify if we all chose to focus on our similarities instead of our differences. And we should. Because well, our division is only hurting the people we hate the most. And I will stop with that. Exactly. Well, thank you very much for everything that you do. Because I see you all the time on TikTok. And your what is your at symbol on TikTok? Oh, it's at Jess Craven 101. So J-E-S-S-C-R-A-V-E-N 101. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you, yeah. Jessica. I really appreciate the time that you've spent with me today. And I look forward to hearing this out there on the waves. Oh, thank you, Sally. You've asked such wonderful questions in a very thoughtful way. And I really appreciate that. It's been a pleasure and I would be happy to come back anytime. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening today. My name is Sally Hendrick. Be sure to visit our website for show notes and more information on how you can inspire others. If you would like to contribute content to our magazine, please apply on our website at shoutyourcause.com. 